everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Refum. I'm your host, Keith Perkelhammer. So today, my guest is Joe Muscat, who's also known as Tusi on the Reef Discussion Boards. Hey, Joe, what's up, man? How you doing, Keith? Thank you so much for having me um, on your show. <laughs> I'm really excited about this conversation, man. We, uh, we've got a lot to talk about here. Joe, uh, Oh boy. I was just gonna give uh, I was gonna give the folks a little bit of background that might not uh, know you by your real name, but by your uh, by your screen name there, Tusi. Uh, just just to remind folks, Joe's tank was the Reef to Reef Tank of the Month this past July, and this is actually the second time Joe's tank was featured on Reef to Reef, and that is the first time. The first time was back in 2015, but this was the first time in the history of the forum that any tank was featured twice for the tank of the month spotlight. So I am really revved up here, Joe, to, uh, to dig in in terms of this tank and, and talk all about it. Before we, uh, before we chat, got to take care of a little business here. And I want to thank the uh, show's sponsor, Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. I really appreciate them supporting the show. And I also appreciate all you folks tuning in. I see there's a lot of folks tuning in and some familiar folks out there, Reefaholic. I see, um, Wade Riles, lovely one is uh, tuned in. Braveheart Reef for five two five. Who else? Um, Sherry's Reef. What's up? So you know, as in past uh, episodes, we really uh, encourage you folks to ask questions in the chat and just pepper Joe with with your questions. I also want to do one last piece of housekeeping and let you folks know that Rapping with Reef Bum is now available in the uh, podcast format. We're, uh, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as uh, Stitcher. So if you can't uh, catch us live, you can catch the audio portion of this show on those platforms. So, Joe, man, thanks for, uh, for taking the time to uh, join us on this live stream. No, thank you. And, and thanks for uh, you know, making this show available to uh, all these reefers. It's all, I call it a live forum where... You know, we could sit down and chat and have a conversation and, um, you know, exchange ideas and, um, you know, uh, things that we do. I mean, uh, different from each other sometimes, obviously. Um, so thank you, actually. Well, I'll tell you, I always learn something new in these uh, shows, and I'm sure I'm going to be learning a lot of uh, stuff in terms of how you like to keep a reef tank. And, and you know, perhaps there could be a lot of things that we have in common, but maybe there's not. You know, but that's the beautiful uh, thing about keeping a reef tank. There's no one set way to keep a reef tank. Absolutely. I mean, you know, every everything is like whatever I say. You know, on this show is it's it's what I do, my opinion and and theories. It doesn't mean you know it's going to work for everybody, but they do work for me. Um, uh, you know, and it's what I always preach to friends of mine, reefers, and people who, you know, reach out to me is that I always said, keep it simple, you know, don't complicate things because we get in trouble most of the time because we complicate things. Yeah. There's too much products available nowadays, um, too many electronics of testing and, and guidance, you know, and, and, and things like that. And we're relying too much on them where if something fails or it doesn't work, you know, hundred percent to the T, and you're relying on your levels on the on these electronics. Your tank is gonna do very bad. And when you realize that your probe wasn't properly uh, calibrated, or your uh, 
media was bad media and you had a bad result and you go by it. Um, so to me, it's like old school is still working for me. Keep it simple. Double check everything. You want to use electronics, still double check it with testing your water, your calcium, your alkalinity, your magnesium, the old fashioned way to double check your piece of electronic, you know, thing. Um, so yeah, it, it's, you're not, it, uh, you're not getting any arguments from me. I'm an old school guy myself. I consider myself old school, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I, would like to use technology, but, um, I don't lean on it too heavily. It's good to have like for the every day when you're at work, you kind of see, you know, on your phone, you know, what your levels are, what your pH is at or whatever. Um, but I tell you, I have them all. I don't rely on it 100%. I still do multiple tests a week, you know, manually. I still check everything. Um, and uh, maybe that's the reason why I didn't have as much as many problems maybe that I could have had. You're, you're, I don't know. But... Um, uh, yeah, no, I hear you. I, I, um, I, do, I do some manual testing myself just to uh, make sure that things are not, um, you know, I got a, a refractometer. So, you know, it's pretty easy to just quickly whip that out exactly. and make sure your salinity is okay versus what you're so, reading on the uh, controller. And when it goes off, you could calibrate it easily with a little tiny screwdriver versus the uh, other pieces that are electronic. It's going to give you a reading. How do you know that it didn't go out of calibration two times after you used it? You know, you say, oh, I, I calibrated a week ago. It should be good. That's what I mean. So, uh, Joe, uh, folks, I just want to make sure that everybody uh, makes uh, sure that they uh, smash that like button so more people can uh, find that stream. So we got a whole bunch of people that are watching right now, and I'm sure we're going to have some more folks coming in. But make sure you hit that like button so more people can find this live stream. So, Joe, how did you get started in reef keeping? How did this all start for you? It is a crazy uh, story. Um when I was in school back in, I mean, I'm, I'm actually from Malta, small island in uh, Europe in the middle of Mediterranean where um, I was in a biology class where I, uh, we had a guppy fish tank in there, fresh water, and it just, it was like fascinating, you know, I mean, a million of them in there. And that's when it started, like, I want to get into, I want to have an aquarium. So the little... Um, you know, island where I came from, there wasn't, you know, uh, products available at the time to, uh, there was not even silicone at the time. That's how far back I, I go. Um, and I put this glass tank out of steel frame and I held the glaze, the, the glass, like we hold glazing with the, the glazing putty, not knowing that that's going to release into, I mean, you know, mm. that's when it started. Wow. Um, and then when I migrated to America, I had a lot of freshwater tanks, discus tanks, angelfish. Then I always wanted the salt water. So I had a salt water fish only. Um, about, I would say about 25 years ago. That's a good way to start, you know? You know, and... Then we went to a pet store and I was, you know, always looking at these reefs, you know, and this movement in the water. I was like, I was fascinated with it, but I didn't know anything. So believe it or not, my tank 
was built by Aquarium Adventure at the time. I paid them to build my tank. I told them what I want, how I wanted it. So hold on, this was your first reef tank? This was the this is the only reef tank I ever had. Wow. And, and that's right uh, that's the one right behind you. Yeah. And uh been by it, uh, we did it in between 2007 and 2008 and we custom built it in Texas. Um it's a closed loop system because I was not into SPS at the time. I wanted, you know, all euphelias and I didn't want power heads. I wanted a clean looking tank. So that's why we did the closed loop. So all the flow comes from underneath and some from above. Um, but then, you know, I get tired of things. I get tired of, you know, everything was growing, overgrowing. It's like, okay, it's time for a change. So that I started getting into SPS maybe about, uh, I don't know, maybe seven years ago. I'm going to start showing video of your tank right here while you're talking, so you keep talking. Yeah, no problem. And um, then I obviously I needed more uh, water flow, you know, so that's when where all the power heads came in. And um, I think I got six or eight power heads in the tank um, to get more flow. But if I was to do it today, I think the rock work will be a little bit different because less, less like rock or. Um... Yeah, I would have done less rocks so this way I'll get more flow through the SPS. So my tank is very challenging because... Peninsula tank. One, you know, it's also very deep, very high. Um, and to get light through to the bottom is very hard, you know, because you, you the corals cover everything on the top. So I try to achieve the look by having some still euphelias where maybe they don't need as much light lower in the bottom, you know, to have that, you know, um, choices of corals, let's say, because I like everything. Um, then, you know, the other thing was my, uh, how do I keep the temperature in my water with um, three, 400 watt uh, metal halides on the tank, yep. you know, blast away. And, it's in my office, so my office is freaking, you know, a sauna when those things, you know, and I used to have a chiller in my office humming and going all day long and all night long, and that's when I reached out to um, Tradewind Chillers, and I said, listen, you guys got to build me a custom chiller to sit outside. He goes, well, we've never done it, so, well, we, there's always a first. You're going to build one. Um and I tell you, it was the best investment I've ever done. I mean, you know, piping it was difficult because, you know, the room was finished, everything is done, the tank is in. How do I get water to go outside and go back into the tank? Yeah. It, 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 my chiller is about 50 feet away from my fish tank. Wow. That's a long run. Yeah. It's a long run. So uh, I got a massive pump, you know, in another room. You know, in my um, equipment room and boiler room for the house, where it's going because I, you need a huge pump to push that yeah. water back. And forth. Um, but it works. I mean, it, uh, I'm not saying I don't have issues. Everybody gets issues with the tank, but for the majority, it's done very well for me. I can't complain. I mean, uh, so how many gallons? What are the uh, dimensions of this uh, Peninsula tank? 
It, the tank is 60 by 28 high by 24. It's about 180. You know, obviously with the rock is less than 180 yeah. um, in gallons. Um, it has a very, very small sump. Um, it, it, it's a simple, very, very simple system. Um, but it works it, because the key is what I always say. Keep it simple. Keep your level steady. Um, and everything will work. I call it like diabetes. I mean, people who are sick with diabetes, that's how they live a normal life. Keep their levels perfectly. Right. And it's the same thing with the tank. When you start having elevated alkalinity, drop this, drop that, that's where you're going to get in trouble. So this being your first reef tank, it's pretty, pretty darn impressive if you ask me. I mean, you went pretty big your first reef tank right you know usually uh, folks might start off smaller with a um you know like a uh, 40 gallon or 50 gallon 60 whatever it is i mean uh, i think my first reef tank was a um was a 90 gallon reef tank but you went big did you have anybody that um was like a mentor to you in terms of keeping a successful yeah. reef tank yeah the guy who worked for aquarium adventure i mean I always called him he was a marine biologist because he knew so much about reefs and 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 husbandry and flow and, and things like that. He was the one who did the tank at the beginning. He's the one who led me and taught me, you know, all the uh, tricks and always sets. He says, keep it simple. You know, that was the philosophy, keep it simple. Um, and obviously, you know, you have other mentors. I mean, you know, when I got in trouble, I, you know, like Dan Regal in Pennsylvania. I mean, you know, he'd been in reefing way before me. Um, you know, I reached out to him a few times when I got in trouble at the beginning. Um, he helped me. And um, it's a nice community. I mean, um, you know, you always look to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. And that's what I always, I even put it up on um <coughs> on reef of the month, on reef to reef. I said, you know, don't be embarrassed to ask a question because, you know, that's when you fail is when you don't ask, you know. So I don't want to sound like I knew it all or I know everything. I don't. I'm just a typical regular reefer, but I'm very anal on what I do and I pay attention to it every day and check on it every day. And I think part of the success is that. It's not that I'm doing anything more than most reefers do every day. It's maybe they're not putting in the time or, you know, I always say, all you need is 15 minutes a day. That's it. Look at your corals, look at your animals, make sure everything is happy, everything is going good, because the first thing that tells you something isn't right is what you see when you, when you look at a coral and it's not happy. You know, why is it not happy? Is there red bugs? Is there flatworms? Is there... Um, why is my fish disappearing? You know, how did they die? Where are they? Who ate them? How come I don't find it? So you got to pay attention, you know? So you, uh, you mentioned something being anal, and I think that's an excellent trait for a reef cape reef keepers to be, uh, anal. And, um, yeah, you know, I think when you're having success and you've got a, uh, a good formula that's, that's working, you got to stick with it, man. You got to like, just keep doing what you're doing and uh, try not to strain, try not to do, uh, to do too much experimentation. I mean, experimentation is fine in, in reef keeping, and I do it certainly, um, you know, pretty often. 
But um, you know, you gotta you gotta take some. You gotta minimize that risk and 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 not try to uh, overreact to uh, certain conditions within the tank. So um, you uh, you mentioned that the tank is twenty eight inches um, tall, right? Is is that something that you would potentially want to change if you? went with a different yeah. tank is that just kind of a bit too uh tall for you in terms of getting in there it, it, it's too tall um to reach when you need to get to the bottom and the other problem with my tank is that i can only access it because this is the little that i knew when i built it um i only access it from the office side hmm. so when i need to get on the other side Ooh. you know i gotta remove lights because it's so tight to get wow. in there you know and I, I can only do certain work when i'm doing a water change so the water level is like you know 10 inches below the surface so this way you know my face is not in the water so it, it, it's a very very hard tank to maintain the way i maintain it and believe me another person would say the hell with this man i go bananas if i if i could only access it really easily from uh from that one side i mean I, that would be tough man because you've got a ton of growth in that tank yeah. and I'm, I'm assuming that you've got to get in there and do some pruning pretty often i was doing pruning before i sent you this last video that's why on the video maybe some um viewers saw fresh glue on some rock is because this past Sunday, for example, I was cleaning it up a little bit to send you this video. And let me tell you, it, it, I killed myself. <laughs> you know. I was down here literally 12 hours. Wow. You know, you know, because the minute you try to touch, you know, do get to something, you knock something out. Yeah, no, for sure. And, I got a lot of live rock branches where there's a lot of, and it, I mean, it's a nightmare, but yeah, so definitely that will be one thing that I will not do again is a deep tank, unless it's a tank that is, you know, a 2,000, 3,000 gallon tank. Right, then you can justify that height then, yeah. Then you, you have to look at different ways how to, you know, get into the tank. So we, um. We got a question from Flippers Reef who's asking what your parameters are. What are your key parameters here, Joe? My my parameters, I keep them, um, you know, alkalinity basically, I like to keep them around 8.25 to 850, 8.50. Um, and I'll say the reason. I mean, there's a lot of reefers that like to keep it natural like seawater, which is around 7. Yep. You always say when you're playing that game, you play with you're playing with fire. Yeah, you have a little problem and your alkalinity drops to six. You're gonna have problems. Yeah, there's not a real That's, cushion there for air. It is no cushion for air. You know, so um, you know magnesium. I'm at always fourteen fifty, close to fifteen hundred. It's always high. I, I like to keep it very high. Um, uh, calcium is at 420, between 420 and 440, depending, you know, what the alk is to the magnesium. It's always, you know, balancing out. Um, and then, you know, obviously I'll dose, you know, iodine, I keep it below one. Potassium, I keep it about 380. You're dosing potassium? Yeah. Um, what about your uh, nitrates and phosphate levels? I 
Um, nitrates, I like to keep them at 5 ppm. You know, right now is uh, they're actually a little high. They, they, they creeped up on me a little bit. And five states at 0 0.02 to almost zero. Yeah. You know, the reason I don't like it zero, even though a lot of SBS guys claim zero is the best color you're going to get, is because how can we test below zero? Yeah. So how do, we, how do we know how lower than zero we are? We only know how to read a positive number. So if I was at 0 0.01, I know that I'm close, the closest to zero. Yeah. But, you know. It's, it's, it's tough. Oh. I mean, phosphate, you know, to get, get a uh, reliable test on phosphate is, is tough. You know, I, uh, I test close to zero myself pretty often. But, um, you know, I get a little cyano here or there. Or I see some algae going here or there, and the corals are looking fine. So I know I've got some phosphates in the tank. They're probably just getting taken up by the corals. Right. And, um, you know, so as long as you're not bottoming out and, and you know. But like you said before, it's, it's all about observation, too. So if you're going to see some pale colors in your corals, and that could be a big sign that your exactly. phosphates may indeed be zero. Exactly. Um, uh, it's... Um, it, 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 when I get zero numbers, I almost get very nervous because I don't know how low it is. I mean, I, I had I, I ran into problems one time because I never thought that I could have zero nitrates. Mm. You know, I really, I mean, my tank is 14 years old. I mean, it's the same old sand bed. It's, I don't vacuum it. I mean, there are detritus. I mean, how could I have zero nitrates? Yeah. And sure enough, I was zero, and I was way below zero because I started dosing nitrates, and I don't know, it took me weeks to get a reading. And you're using the, um, I'll, I'll show the uh, the equipment um, video that you uh, shot for us. You're using, it'll come up in about 20 seconds, but um, you're using the Pax Bellum for um, nutrient control primarily. You've got the yes. uh, Pax Bellum Arid uh, Algae Reactor, and so... Um, do you dose anything specifically for that in terms of iron to help the uh, the Kato, or is it pretty much you're dosing nitrates when needed? I do dose um, um, iron with, uh, I can't pronounce the word, molybdenum or whatever the hell yeah. it is, you know, yep. uh, which is a liquid that is sold with the reactor. Um, yeah, the Pax Bellum uh, iron and, yep. Yeah, I spoke with the owner of, of Pax Bellum, very nice gentleman. Tristan. Very, yeah, very nice. I mean, uh, very helpful. And and he's the one who who told me, you know, what to do and how to do it and so on and so forth. And his theory was, which I tried to work with that theory, and I had success with it, so I do believe in his theory, is that he said you should have your phosphates to your nitrates 100 to 1. Yep. So if you're at 0 0.05 phosphates at 5 ppm of nitrates, you're you're there, you know. But we get in trouble when with the nitrates, nitrates tend to shoot up a lot faster than 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 phosphates. That's an, at least in my experience in my thing for some reason or another. Um but that's that's where I like to be. I like to be at, at hundred to one ratio. And um, I've seen um, some comments in in the chat here, and and they were kind of uh, guessing that you were using a calcium reactor. And then when we showed that video, 
they uh, that was uh, confirmed that you are using a calcium reactor. Why uh, why using the calcium reactor versus say dosing two parts? Is too high of a demand? It would be too high and it's very costly. Um, I truly believe that if I was to, I, I thought about it to be honest with you. I've thought about switching back to dosing. Um, you know. Uh, chemicals um, instead of a reactor yep. because I think I can have the tank more accurate as far as levels are concerned because today's pumps and stuff like that and dozers you could I mean incrementally do it I mean when I start when I got the calcium reactor for example there were no there were no dosing pumps you know, I'm probably one of the first reefers in the United States that have a GHL dosing system. Yeah, I'm showing you a know. picture of the uh, of your equipment right there, and you can see the Profilux 3 off to the left right. there. Yep. First original Profilux that's still working. And even GHL, Vinny from GHL is surprised that it's still working. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, there's... You there's know, you know, you could still get parts for that thing, so. Because I don't even think I have those pumps anymore. I said, Vinny, don't jinx it. Nah. But I, <laughs> I do have a spare one just in case anyway. Um, so I noticed the um, the calcium reactor. I, I believe that's the calcium reactor next to the uh, Pax Bellum. Is, is that a Reef Octopus uh, calcium reactor? And if so, I, I don't recognize the, uh, the chambers on those. Uh, it's a Vertex. Oh, Vertex, okay. Yeah, it's a Vertex. They look the same. Um it, 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 the thing with them is that when you change the media, you don't know what media you're going to get. So you don't know what that media, because it's crushed. Let's say you use the Reborn, yep. right? It's crushed dead coral. So that dead coral grew with what? With what levels of alkalinity? What levels of calcium? What levels? So that's what you're turning into liquid. Liquid. And that's what your tank levels are going to be. So I still have to dose magnesium to keep my magnesium, the, the, you know, to, to around fourteen fifty, you know, and higher, um, because the calcium reactor will not, you know, do it. Um, but then, you know, you got to watch when you change the media because you could get totally different numbers that you need to do adjustment. And that's why sometimes I feel that dosing liquids, it might be the, the best way but it, it, in my tank it will cost me a fortune yeah for sure i was uh, a lot of people know this i talk about this a lot but i used to dose two part on my uh my established uh, sps dominant system and i was dosing up to 300 mls per day you know the two part each each two part and that was killing me man it was just killing me so i switched to a calcium reactor i mean i would have i would have to have five gallon buckets you know which i don't have room where to put them um, yeah. it's my tank. I never thought that my tank will be this tank when I build this tank, you know, otherwise I would have yeah. planned, you know, a closet or something. I mean, where am I going to put all these liquids? So Joe, let me ask you a question here. I'm looking at the, uh, I, I believe I'm looking at what I, I think is the calcium reactor and it's got two smaller chambers on the outside of it. Am I looking at the right thing there? Is that, uh, uh, what are those two smaller uh, chambers for? Is that to uh, absorb the excess CO2? I don't use them the way I'm supposed to use them because, to be honest, this calcium reactor became small for my tank yeah. for the amount of SPSs, but it's doing okay because I filled those small chambers. It's a good catch, actually, is that um, 
those are supposed to be filled with false god. Oh. So you are removing your phosphates, you know, when, when you're melting the media in the middle of, you know, you know, big chamber, you know, you're going to basically you introduce phosphates in your tank through your media. Because, again, the crushed corals that you're melting grew also with phosphates, you know, in the ocean. Corals suck the phosphates. So that, that, that skeleton has phosphates in it. So those were supposed to be filled when, when Vertex invented this um, reactor is to fill them up with force guard. So as the liquid comes through mm. the middle chamber, it gets, you know, purified and, and the phosphates are removed with the force guard. So you're not introducing more phosphates into your tank. Gotcha. That's interesting. So now you're just using it to have uh, excess uh, media in there to absorb the CO2. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And the other interesting thing is on the Pax Bellum, I could see we're looking at it right here. It's in the center of the shot. You've got this um, calcium injection assembly, right? So you're you're um, essentially um, the CO2 is being injected into the Pax Bellum, correct? Correct. So it's also giving the... Um, uh, the macrology to you know CO two where it, it grows even faster. So you know so, it, it goes back into the back spellum, and then from the back spellum into the uh, into the sump. Gotcha. So and somebody also um, noticed some ESV um, um, things that you're dosing. Is that the ESV uh, potassium that we see there? No. The, the, the open um, jar with that yellow tube yeah. into it, what I've been having issues is the calcium reactor gets airbound for some reason. We've been ha I've been having problems, and I've reached out to friends of mine that are having the same problems. Um, it just gets airbound, and then the, um, the effluent going out, it stops. So uh, on the yellow tubing, you can see there's a small hand valve that I open it to release the back pressure in the calcium reactor into that ESV uh, little container. Um, the, I do dose ESV magnesium. That's the only thing I dose. So, okay, you dose, I know you dose uh, iron and the uh, manganese, um, uh, I'm sorry, the molybdenum um, right. supplement. You dose nitrate sometimes. And you dose that. Anything else in terms of any other trace elements that you're dosing to the tank besides? I do. I do dose. Um, I do dose other things. I dose, you know, tropic marine trace elements, which is the A and K. Okay. Which has all the, um, you know, uh, trace elements in them. Recently, I swapped the K with the uh, back to active, where it's supposed to help with phosphates and nitrates to bind them together, and 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 it, I'm just testing it, you know. Well, experiment. Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, in Europe, they they use it a lot. Um, it's not easy to find by purchasing it here, but uh, I get it through Aqua Cave, who uh, they do have it. Um, uh, the other thing uh, my dose is a little bit of nopox. Okay. Uh, 
you know, which is because I also carbon dose. Oh, you do? All of them. Yeah. So I am using that um, as kind of like my um, my carbon source, you know, my food. Um, That's interesting. I mean, because you have a lot of corals in that tank that um, are probably absorbing a lot of the nitrates and the phosphates, I would assume. But you, you're still carbon dosing to uh, yeah. help get the uh, bacteria population um, up to help help with that sort of thing. Yeah, because, because before I couldn't keep my phosphates low enough for SPS colors and stuff like that without doing um, ROA, for example, you know, or ferric oxide. And key, I hate cleaning that crap. I mean, especially in the wintertime. <laughs> Every time, and, and then what happened was, I found that I was I was losing corals because, okay, you put in a, a, a first batch, okay, and it's sucking all your phosphates. You know, if you don't test the effluent coming out of the roa, you're not gonna know when that roa, for example, went bad. Um, then boom, it's, you start getting readings, which means you need to replace it. Now, you know, I replaced, you know, half of it new, I left half of it old, so I don't shock the system. I lost SPSs every time I put row on. Yeah. And I said, you know, it, it, because it was too, too much drastic changes where you are stripping the water you know, overnight, basically. That's been my experience using it, too. So that's why I started carbon dosing, got the ultra reactor, um, and I have not used ROA in at least, I would say, two years. But I do have a reactor with denitrate, you know, rocks in there also where, you know, um, it does help with the nitrates and more more areas for bacteria to... Um, you know, uh, to grow on, um, and it works. I mean, I don't use anything except this system where um, don't have to dose anything to uh, lower a level. I actually have to dose to raise a level. You know. Yeah, you know, it's um, that's interesting. So you're not dosing any. Uh, you're not dosing phosphate. You're just dosing nitrate every now and then. No, no, I'm dosing little phosphates right now and not nitrates. Nitrates are a little bit elevated. The phosphates are a little bit too low, and I don't. I like to bring them back to like the ratio of 100 to 1. So you um, you make those adjustments by dosing the phosphate versus playing around with the um, the carbon um, dosing? I, I do both. I you lower, do both? Okay. I adjust a little bit on, uh, on both. But, you know, when you adjust your carbon dosing, you're not going to see – a difference from one day to the next and that's why sometimes you have to dose because that's the only thing you're gonna you know see that difference you know right away carbon dosing to me i've never done carbon dosing um you know i've i've just started to experiment with some bacteria dosing you know on my uh my established uh, tank and actually my, my newer tank too but i've always been afraid about um carbon dosing you know because uh if you go too far with it then it, it could be um bad i mean how did how did you kind of um you know, get your toes, uh, you know, dip your toe into that water. I, um, I always looked at it like too much bacteria, you're going to get a bacteria bloom, right? So that is the worst scenario that I always thought about, but I, I never experienced it. So 
I started out with doing the um, uh, that French company. What the hell is it called? Um, you know, uh, with the three bars. Um, and then I was told when I started it, um, you know, don't expect macroalgae in your tank. So if you like to look at a tank with rocks covered in that purple macroalgae and stuff like that, you're not going to have it if you if your carbon does. Right. Most of it, you know, which I said, I, I can care less about that. You know, I just need to. So I started slow, and then I started adding different type of bacteria, you know, microbacteria, this, that, and the other, because it's it's always good to introduce different type of bacteria. Um, but that's how I did it. Um, I never, ever had a problem with, um, but again, my tank is old, so there's so much for that bacteria in my tank to be, you know, munching on. Yep. Uh, versus like a less established tank, you're, you're dosing, you know, bacteria, and the bacteria is like saying, "Wait a second, yeah, there's not nothing to eat here," you know. What uh, what back do you mention the MB7? Are you dosing MB7 and anything else? Um, the other one is let me see. You don't you don't know this right off the top of your head, Joe? <laughs> I, I got so many things in my head. The other one I use is the Bioptim, you know, the Prodabio, which okay. is it's a French company, I believe. Um, and it's it comes in all these little vials um, where you um, you know you crack and you and you yep. you know yeah and you throw them some so and then. Um, uh, it's basically one is a is a bacteria. You could also buy the food for it. You know they come in pairs, so you could put one yep. and with three, and you do it every two weeks. Um, I don't do the food; I just throw the bacteria. Um, I let the uh, no-pox be the source and what have you to be the food for it. Yeah, you know um, I've. Um... I've noticed myself, and I've been doing it for a couple of months now in terms of dosing bacteria, and I'm dosing MB7 and, and Microbacter Clean. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I have a couple of frag tanks that are plumbed into um, my display, my established display tank. And, you know, I was getting some um, some green algaes in, into those uh, frag tanks, not necessarily into the uh, into the display tank, not really in the display tank at all, but they were in the uh, in the frag tanks, and I, you know, I got a little cyano in the uh, display tank, but I've I've started to dose the um, the um, those those uh, bacteria. I stopped the clean for a couple of weeks, and you know it, it actually did a pretty good job in terms of helping eliminate some of those uh, green problematic algaes in in the frag tanks. And I stopped dosing that in favor of MB7, and the uh, the green algae started coming back. So I, I ended up, um, you know, restarting clean, and so now I'm dosing both at at the uh, the same time for both my tanks, and uh, yeah, you know, I um, it's 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 pretty good because I've pretty much decommissioned my my Cato. I had a um, a refugium on the uh, on the established tank, so it pretty much um, took out my uh, my Cato Morpha. It um, you know I think the clean probably was what uh, since that yeah. is more. Um, uh, more, more effective versus green algaes. 
And and I had I had a Pax Bellum on the uh, Peninsula tank, and I've taken that offline. And my nitrates on both tanks are you know between 2.5 and 5, and uh, phosphates are close to zero at this point yeah. in time. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, I mean, do you dose though um, uh, amino acids? So yeah. I do not. I, uh, okay. I do not dose amino acids. I, I feed my fish heavily. And I definitely want to talk to you about your fish and, and your regime, but you dose amino acids. No, that's what I was going to say. Because if, let's say you have slime and, and algae and you're dosing amino acids, you're actually you know fueling it even more. Um, I never dosed amino acid in my life. I don't feed my tank except I feed my fish. So it's not like I'm not one of those guys that... I'm going with the pump, you know, and, you know, pumping food in this coral and pumping in that coral, you know, the corals eat and, you know, whatever liquids. I don't purify my food. I don't, I don't do pallets. I don't do dry food. I only do, you know, frozen mices and shrimps and things like that. And so I'm starting to show I, pictures of your fish, Joe, which are pretty awesome, but go ahead, keep going. You know, there's enough amino acids, I feel, in the food itself, in this frozen foods themselves, yeah. you know, that I don't need to add more amino acid every other day into my tank. And then, bam, you've got an algae problem or bam, you got a slime problem. I mean, I don't want to brag because I'm not a bragger, but through all these years and I've never had slime. If I did have slime, maybe I had a, a two inch um sand uh, section on my sand of maybe a little bit and I always blamed it against temperature control mm. you know temperatures for some reason swung two three degrees and and that's when I realized that is my chiller working probably I mean I had a problem with my chiller where I had to put more refrigerant in it um, but for the majority I, I never get slime um, don't ever had hair algae even when the tank was cycling. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I was lucky. So, yeah, all right. You and I are on the same page in terms of um, amino acids. I really don't uh, use them at all. And my, I've had similar experiences in terms of, you know, I'll get some cyano. I've, ha I've had some uh, dino, um, you know, outbreaks after dosing coral food and and uh, aminos. So I, you know, my philosophy is, and it sounds like you have a similar philosophy, is keep the fish fat and happy. You know, feed the fish a lot. So yeah, what 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 do you uh, feed your fish, and how often? I I feed once a day. Um, I used when I used to keep antius, I used to feed twice a day because antius like to be fed, you know, more frequently. Yep. So. I don't have many anxious. I think I only have four. Um, uh, I feed once a day, only frozen feed. If it's spirulina, um, you know, brine shrimp, you know, I mix them all together. And um, uh, all kind. Of, you know, I like to put in like five, all hikari blend, you know, frozen cubes, let them melt, mix them together and just, dump it in there. I mean, I, I probably feed about six to eight cubes a day in one, in that one shot. Well, wow. and believe, 
not, I throw it in there, Keith, and in less than a minute, it's gone. <laughs> it just, it's gone. Wow. So that's a lot of food to throw in there. And uh, I'm assuming that you've got a good amount of flow that's keeping it elevated off the bottom of the tank, and it's just kind of circulating through there, and the fish are picking it off. Yeah, it doesn't touch the, bo the, the bottom, I'm telling you. Because, again, you know, minus closed loop, so all the flow is pushing up. Closed so loop everything... does scare the crap out of me, but more power to you for having a closed loop because uh, I would never be that brave to have a closed loop system. But they're great to have. I wasn't brave. I wasn't brave. I didn't know. You didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was not brave. If I if I knew, I, I think I would agree with you. I don't know if I would have it. <laughs> well, you know, for that next tank, I guess you could uh, you could kind of change the plan there in terms of the flow inside the tank. So it is a peninsula tank, and I have a peninsula tank. My peninsula tank is six foot long by three foot wide by 20 inches tall. And, you know, what I learned quickly is that uh, there is a challenge with a peninsula tank yes. in terms of flow. And yep. I, um, I have right now two MP60s and two MP40s on the end panel um, where the overflow is. And on the, and, the, and the viewing panel on that end, you know, the side that um, you can see through the glass, that end, I have two MP40s. So I've got a lot of flow in there. But I didn't start with those two MP40s on that end viewing panel. I try to avoid that because it, uh, you know, it is a little bit of an eyesore. Yes. You're, you are basically so dead on to the exact thing I went through. To the exact same thing as I went through. I didn't want no nothing on the the opposite side of the uh, overflow, and I started out with two tonsies, you know, in on the overflow side um, because the tonsies, you know, you could adjust the direction, you know, um, however you like. Which that with the um, Closed loop was still not enough for SPS. So then I added two other tunesies smaller above them on the same side. And then I was having an issue where I was getting a film on the surface of my water where it felt like not all the water was going to the overflow. So that's when I had to put the two MP40s on the opposite side like you did. Um, and it, it, it that did the trick, uh, but yeah. it is a difficult when you have a peninsula tank. It's difficult because not only that, like with mine with the closed loop, the, my overflow box is divided into two. Oh, how so? Because that's how you get the water. So basically, when you look at my overflow, it looks like a regular overflow, but inside of it, there's a divider from top to bottom where, let's say, the left side have slots low in the, in the tank and slots on the top where that water is going to the pump to a, a reflow hmm. dark pump yep that is going to, that sends it to a um, a wave maker before it sends it out into four locations of my tank so so basically when the water is being shot in the closed loop it's going to one outlet, then the wave maker sends it to another outlet, to the next outlet, to the so it's going in a rotation. So you got water going up, you know, f you know, four different ways. Um, mm. So you get undertow forces going from top opposite each other. So it's like a tornado in there. But how do you keep the sand from not flying all over the place? Yeah. 
you know, and um, it's basically by controlling, you know, the the uh, the force of the flow. Um, I've been lucky. Um, I'm showing that, that I'm showing the tank video again. It's so awesome that I'm showing it again. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, look, uh, I do have some. Um, piping underneath where it's showing um, a little bit of uh, salt creeps, which makes me nervous. Uh -oh. But uh, it's not it's not that bad. Um, uh, you know, so I, 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 I do keep an eye on it. I mean, and the worst thing to do is put a wrench on it and try to start tightening it because that's when you get into seven trouble. Just let it be. So uh, Marcus's uh, reef is is uh, teeing up a question that I know you want to talk about this. And um, his question is, what has been his worst issue since having this long-term tank? And I, I think I know the answer there, Joe, because <laughs> you and I talked about this. But uh, go ahead. I had every issue on the books. So if someone thinks that my tank uh, had no issues, they're wrong. I mean, believe me, my tank, I went through, you know, Acropora eating flatworms when I started with SBSs, not knowing what, uh, uh, you know, could happen. How'd you, get, uh, how'd you get rid of those? Pull the co infected corals out. That's how I get rid of it. You know, mm. the, you know uh, dip them. Look for the eggs. I mean, being anal the way I, I am, I noticed them right away. So it's not, it wasn't like I had a corpora eating flowers for months before I realized I had them. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't a very big issue. They were not all over the tank or anything like that. I, it was one of these Indo corals that when they started bringing them in from Bali way back then, um, that were all you know, infected. So you didn't, they weren't encrusted on the rock. You were able to just pull them out without them without, or did you have to pull out some rock as well? I uh, basically, the way I install my cores, and that's the reason why um, a lot of them are on branches is so if I need, when I get a coral, I glue the coral to a rock. Yep. Then the rock to the rock work. So if I need to pull that coral out, I can pull that coral with that rock and I don't affect the encrustation, you know, the encrusting part of the coral. Like if, if, you know, I've seen hobbies where they take a plug and they glue it onto the main rock of the tank. Now, how do you pull that coral out? You know, it's impossible. Do you know uh, Abe from uh, Coral Euphoria? He's got this really cool system where he's, um, I don't know what you call it, but he's basically got each um, Acropora colony on a uh, on a um, a disc a plug maybe it's a large disc and he's got these um things in his uh, main rock where they're they're holes and and so you can basically he could slip in each um it's like a big frag plug but with a big tile on it and so he can put the stem into these holes and when, when yes. he could just take any uh colony out that's a pretty cool wow. idea that's a very cool idea i mean yeah, it worked for me where I when I started gluing them like that. Because at the beginning, I was gluing, you know, like we're saying, I was gluing a frag plug to the main rock, and it encrusts on it. And now, how are you going to take it out? You're going to snip it out. And if you have eggs, and, and that's where normally eggs tend to be, is like at the base yeah. and on the side of light and on the side of flow. It's always the opposite of a lot of flow and light. 
you know, you're screwed. But that was not the biggest problem. The biggest problem was my bobbit worm. There you go. The bobbit when worm. I, when I realized I have a three-foot bobbit worm. Ooh, baby. That is a monster. It, it was a monster. Um, How many years ago I, was this? Um, I would say about, I don't know, four years? Mm. Four years ago? Maybe five? I don't remember exactly, but... What was happening was I was always, I, I'm more fascinated with fish, to be honest with you, than corals. You know, um, I was always a fish guy. So I was always running after the uh, Femininus rats or the uh, uh, Lenardis or the Gensani or the uh, Airlie rashes. And Keith, I don't know how many thousands of dollars I spent on fish that they were disappearing. Yeah. And I'm what's going on? I mean, why I can't keep these fish alive? I mean, and I was not finding dead bodies. I was not finding anything. <laughs> like, where are they going? So, so one time... Gigantic tapeworm in your tank. I'm, I'm going around with a flashlight looking in holes and crevices to see where is this missing fish hiding. I'm thinking I'm going to find it, right? Gigantic mantis shrimp, maybe. So, so to come across this hole where I saw spikes, and the minute the light hit this hole, the spikes moved. I'm like, holy mackerel. What the hell is that? <laughs> so I came down at 4 in the morning um, with a flashlight, red flashlight. You know, I put a red plastic bag over my flashlight because they don't see red when you're looking at a flashlight at night and you put red you know you could be looking at a, a fish right in the eye and it's, they're not gonna, it's gonna see not it. Gonna see and what do you know i see this bobbit worm fully out extended all the way up to the overflow really you saw I, the whole pretty much the whole worm like three I, foot long I have, video, I have a video of it which it's very, because it's dark and, and red, you know, but <laughs> if I pointed it to you, you see him retracting at one point and it just like, it, it was scary. And now I'm like going, I, I, I'm not going to sleep. I mean, I got a freaking snake in my tank. <laughs> you got a python in there. <laughs> I'm afraid of snakes. So, so how the hell I'm going to get this out? It's on the bottom of my foundation of the rock work in a rock that's about 16 inches by 10 inches. Mm. I mean, and this rock is holding my whole tank. I'm like, this is, I'm, I'm done. This tank is done. There's no way. Yeah. So. Can't put a trap know, in the tank to get that thing, right? You can, but the problem is if you, these, these bobber worms, I was I, then I started researching on them to learn a little bit before I go after this monster, um, and they tell you that um, the reason they're sectional is so they can break away easy. So if you grab it, it's gonna snap in half. So you're gonna get only half of it. You still have a bobber worm. So then, pretty, pretty much every time it snaps, you get another worm. Right. They regenerate ahead, <laughs> and. Um, so then I kept I kept studying him night after night, night after night to see his movement, what he does, where he goes, what is he eating, 
And one time he comes across, I mean, they go under the sand and pop up. You know, that's how they get, they get fish in the sand. That's how they get fish sleeping. Um, he popped up on the other side of the tank. How, how deep, I, just uh, before you keep going, how, how deep is your sand bed? It's about two and a half inches. Okay. Three inches. Um, okay. So I said, this is the time to catch him because he was on the other side. You know, it, the other side was easy to pull the slimer out where I have all the torches. He was like in that. So when, not, not, so when you were into the tank and, and removing corals and whatnot at, in the middle of the night, was this uh, Boba Worm still hanging around or did it just retreat? He still, still you know, hung around there and I put this big tweezers on him and he escaped. I mean, the tank was fighting like, like, like an eel. Oh, man. And, and I didn't want to squeeze too hard because I didn't want to break him. He escaped. He went back to the other side into the same hole. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> so it took um, it took me a week. I had to dismantle. I had to set up my whole office with all kind of water containers, which I was filling through water changes for three weeks from my tank. Keep it, keep another skimmer in there, lights in there to keep that water going. So this way, when I'm ready, when I have enough water, I start removing corals into these containers because I need to empty three quarters of my tank. What you see, I have to come out. I mean, there is all this documented on Reef to Reef on my on my uh, post. If anybody is interested, and they would see this worm coming out of this rock. Oh, you got pictures uh, on Reef to Reef of the uh, Baba worm? Yeah, of the Baba worm. Um, and sure enough. He comes out of the rock, he goes two ways from the hole, and he snaps in half on his own. I didn't touch him on his own. They tried to escape, but I put him together. He was still alive for two days. I offered him to a pet store <laughs> to put it in a tank. Did the no, pet I mean, store I, take it? I wanted reefers to to learn to see what a bobbit worm is to, so they don't have a problem like I had. But by the time the pet store got, came for it, it was dead. Um, when I measured it, it was like 35 and something inches, three foot. That's, that, that's just freaking crazy. I, 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 Kate, I thought the end of my time was dead. I mean, I, I, I couldn't put everything back. I looked at, at these corals. I looked at everything. I'm like... I'm done. You know what? I'm going to just take everything to the pet store, let them sell them. Good luck to them. I'm going to clean this tank and I'm done. And my son and friends of mine in the, in the hobby that know me is like, come on, you can't, you can't give up. Everybody knows you. Everybody loves your tank. It's like it is, you're going to do a disservice to the reef community. And it took me a week to put it back together. I mean, uh, it, it, I killed myself. You talk about killing myself last Sunday, cleaning, you know, one side of the tank. Imagine putting a tank back together, you know, and how can you put it back together with the same yeah. placing of the You can't. It's impossible. No, you can't. You, can't. you know. So did, when, when you won that first, um, when you had that first uh, Reef Tree Spotlight Award in 2015, was the worm in the tank at that time? It wasn't there. I just didn't know. <laughs> Wow. So the only thing it was doing was eating fish. 
Not corals. He was eating fish and uh, very expensive fish. I call it the most expensive bobbit worm that anybody ever had in a tank. Um, <laughs> well, I, I I think I mentioned this to you before um, our uh, one of our earlier conversations before the show, and and uh, I had David Saxby on, you know, from um, from from London, and he had a bobbit worm in his tank that was actually trying to eat through the silicone in his tank. <laughs> For a hole in the silicone. I believe it because the truth is they eat anything. You know, from what I've read about them, because I don't think there is enough, there's enough studies on bobbit worms. There's few videos of um, divers catching them in the ocean. And the way they catch them is they see them in the ocean in holes and they put a bait. For them to come out and they snap it like they that like like uh, like you're catching a little mouse, okay? Yep. And but it's not a very tight spring that you're gonna snap it and cut cut him. And then they put a a balloon on a hook, and the balloon <laughs> is putting pressure slowly with with with, with want to go to the surface and pulling this bobbit worm out slowly. And there are. You know, um, there are videos that these bobby worms could get up to eight feet. <laughs> and the truth is... Joe, I'm going to have nightmares now tonight because of yeah, this story. They, um, um, they, they are like a sonar. They don't have eyes. So they, it's not like they see. They, they have like sonar and they basically sense movement in the water. So actually, when I saw him out at night, what was he doing all the way up to the overflow? Because think about it. The overflow, the water is making noise. I had a lot of GSP at the time growing over the, the, the overflow. Yep. It's moving in the water. He's munching away at my <laughs> GSP. So a tasty it, snack. With, with, Dave, with, with, with Mr. Sagsby, I was like, why was he eating his silicone? Was it? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's 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 a very tough task to uh, to answer. Like, why? I mean, silicone. Uh, yeah, I I do not have the answer to that, and I guess you would have to ask the worm that question. But uh, I'm pretty sure that worm is dead. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about something else here, Joe, and and that is that um, you've got a very mature reef tank right now, and I'm showing one of the pictures of your uh, of your tank. And I've, I've considered, you know, doing something kind of radical to my uh, tank, which is very much uh, grown in, but I'm um, still kind of debating what to do with it. But uh, are, do you have any plans at this point in time to do some major pruning? Or are you pretty much at the point now where you're, um, you're just, you know, you got a routine down in terms of some corals, you're uh, maybe you're taking out a coral here or there yeah. or pruning? Are yeah. you talking any, any major uh, re-aquascaping? Uh, I think, uh, I think you've been talking to my buddy Charlie Tuna behind my back, and I don't know about uh -oh. it. About because it's funny. I was talking with him. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, uh, Charlie. I'm thinking of um, finding a week that I could take off and emptying the whole tank and rescaping everything and put back the corals, but in a different landscape. Because, like I said at the beginning of the show. I feel like I have too much rock, you know, and with the metal halides, um, 
I'm learning that like theniuses and stuff like that, they don't actually require as much light as they're that I'm giving them. Yeah. Um, so yes, uh, I've been thinking about basically I want a new look. Everybody knows my tank for these years. Maybe I, it's time for me to recreate a new look to see tank. Um, Maybe I'll get reef to reef tank of the month for the third time. <laughs> with the same tank. <laughs> with the same tank, but it will be a different look. So yes. Yeah, so what, what kind of what kind of what are you what are you playing around with in your head? I mean, I've I've played around with some ideas. You know, I've always um, admired these uh, negative space aquascape tanks, but you know, they're very very minimalistic in terms of the uh, the live rock in there. Do you have um, anything specific in mind, or? It's more open. It's it's similar to kind of look that I, I would try to achieve the same look overall but with more openness where yeah um in between the middle of it it will have more branching more water flow going right through you know um you know lower it a little bit you know thin it in width a little bit also so you have the wider parts lower on the bottom and the narrower parts on the top. Um, I mean, believe it or not, that's how this tank is. It doesn't look like that because of all the, the coral growth. So the corals just go to the glass, go to the glass. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I've been thinking about it. But on the other hand, I'm like, you know what? Be happy with what you got because... Masterpiece. You might be asking for trouble... You know, because you're 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 um, you're disturbing the whole eco ecosystem and the risk. So many fish. What is going to happen to the fish while I'm doing all of this? And yeah, you would have to, I would assume, take out the entire sand bed, put a new sand bed in. I don't think you want to reuse that sand bed if you're going to um, be pulling all that stuff out. And that would be uh, that's basically then at that point, it's like you're starting over. A brand new time. Um, yeah, but what, I mean, the, the idea that I've been kicking around, and you know, I don't know if I have um, the guts to do it, but you know, I um, I was thinking about um, plumbing in another sump to my system, and and doing like an NSA aquascape or something very minimalistic, and um, you know, let that dry rock cook in that second sump for like six months so it could, you know, the bacteria can colonize and, and put some light over it eventually and, and get the uglies out in that second sump and yeah. then do a, uh, and then when it's kind of like ready, then kind of do a slow swap, you know, swapping out the rock and the main display for the, uh, for the dry rock and just kind of do that over a, a little over time and, right. but keep the live rock in the system, not pull that live rock out of the system. Yeah, you have. Yeah, it, it, it's you almost have to recycle something ahead of time, so it, you would still, you know, have you know maybe smaller issues, but that because that, that's what scares me with this. Is, but um, at some point or another, I'm gonna have to do something because my tank is sold that, and the rockwork is sold where I'm dealing with Mijano right now, um, dealing with. Uh, these vermiculate snails and things like that. Yeah. And um, look, you're, it's impossible not to get 
one in and and and, and multiply. It, 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 it's my theory. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, no, it's very very tough. But um, and on the other hand, it's like if I was to go that far, then why don't I go bigger? Put an eight foot tank acrylic in a different location. Oh, acrylic. That's you know because my tank is in my basement. And there's no way you're going to get an eight-foot glass tank into this basement, you know. Have, have, uh, have a custom builder come into the house and build it. Yeah, I mean, that's another, <laughs> that's another option. But um, if I was to, uh, I think, go through that, maybe I'll go. But again. So th this is a, uh, an interesting question here from um, – oh, I lost the uh, – person that was asking this question but uh, oh marcus's reef what has been the hardest coral for you to keep he's not going to believe the answer is the red planet really the or a red planet huh? that's been the toughest coral for you to keep you believe that wow i could not grow the red planet i don't know why i mean you know you could talk about the uh Fire nice, you know, uh, echinata. That's 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 a very delicate coral, which I understand maybe why. But a red planet, I could not keep a red planet. I get frags from directly from ORA, and they do well, and they do well. They start growing them, bam, bam, gone. <laughs> yeah, you know, I had a um, a two hundred twenty five gallon tank in Connecticut, and I had. I, I got the Red Planet frag pretty much right after ORA had released it. You know, there was a lot of buzz going around, and, and that was like the coral to, to have. I mean, ORA was putting out some pretty sweet stuff like the Hawkins. Um, there was this other one, the um, Purple Plasma. You know, there was a whole bunch of really cool corals that uh, ORA was releasing. And um, yeah. so I got my hands on this uh, Red Planet and man, I had I had great luck with it. You know, I had halides like like yourself, 20k uh, 400 watt radium bulbs. It uh, it grew like a weed for me. And then, um, you know, I broke that tank down. I started this uh, this other tank uh, a number of years ago, and I reacquired a frag, and it, it became tougher. So maybe it's uh, kind of morphed a little bit, and it's become sort of tougher to keep. I mean, now I have it, and it's really really encrusted incredibly well, but it's now it's just starting to kind of table out on me. I mean, uh, ORA at one point had lost their uh, their red planet, you know, their their colony of red planet. There was a time that you couldn't; they were not selling the red planet uh, or the pearlberry at the time because of the they had a big problem. I mean, their colony was about three feet across. Um, I, I then I you know I have the Christmas Mirable which is basically to me it's a red planet yeah same kind of coral and it's not a problem that's not a problem it's only the red ORA red planet is what I had a problem with um, you know I, I couldn't keep it alive um, for some reason uh, so I don't have a red planet in my tank <laughs> I have everything else except that what's uh, uh, what's your favorite acro um. It's a tough question. Um, these, what the hell is it called? Um, that neon green, deep water, shahar, shaharasai. Yeah. Yep. You know, I love that coral. It's a smooth skin, very bright. I used to have, 
you look at pictures of my tank way back then, I used to have a table that was about 16 inches across of it on the top of my tank. It was like a halo. Um, that I had a pair of yellow clown gobies that used to lay eggs in it and killed it. That's how I lost that table. So now I'm regrowing it. Um, I'm very excited actually because it's, it's, it's looking happy. And so it's a simple, simple, smooth skin green, not, not a rainbow tenuous, maybe as maybe some of, um, the viewers expect me to say, not the rainbow supplies, Millie as maybe some, I'm not that fancy. I have those corals. I can't afford that coral. I, 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 I am growing one. Uh, you know, for from a quarter of an inch. I mean, because that's how big it was when I purchased it for almost a thousand dollars. But to me, having that coral is almost like to have a coral that's in the trend more than anything. But as far as uh, uh, like I'm saying, this 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 green, I love this coral. It's one of my favorites. Um. Producer Reef, hey two C. I hope you get your orange coral again. I forgot the name. It's your uh, signature. What what what's he talking about there, two uh, C? Um, he's talking about my the uh, uh, the rainbow two C rainbow granulosa. Ah, I think. okay. Um, which I had sold few frags to um, a few other reefers, and I had not given it that name. You know, this other person, um, Graham in Maryland, maybe uh, he's watching. Um, I sold it to him for a very lousy cheap price where he grew it and he loves it. And he called me to, to tell me that he's going to give it the, the name. I said, go ahead. You know, and that's where that name came from. Uh, but not too many have it. I mean, I actually don't have it anymore. Um, well, Retro Reese says uh, it's got got a small frag of it. So when you're ready, he says, buddy. Then, then then we're gonna we're gonna make a swap <laughs> <laughs> because I'm gonna try to get get one back. Um, uh, um, my buddy Joe Bonimo also have a piece for me because he have it. I have to look that up. Uh, I gotta see what that looks like. Now, uh, Graham, uh, I forgot what's his screen name on Reef to Reef. He has oh, Graham. incredible. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Incredible collection. I mean, the man has an incredible. He has it. He's the one that gave it the name. Ah, gotcha. So, uh, Joe, when 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 and if you uh, do this um, kind of uh, new tank or a redo or whatnot, any uh, any thought to switching to LEDs or are you sticking with halides? Um. It's a very hard question um, to answer. I mean, there are, you know, like I have this frag tank where I have the radions and the Kessels. And I'm going to show a, a video of this frag tank. We've got that too. So that's, that's one. The colors that I see on the same corals that I get from my tank into that tank are amazing, are truly amazing. I can tell you, if I was to do radion LEDs on my display tank, my tank will look you know, more than incredible because yeah, um, it the, the halides and the T5s they don't give you that same you know coloration. 
So the answer is, did I think about it? Yes. Am I going to switch? Probably not. Not yet. Because then it becomes the question, what do you use? Which fixtures do you yeah. use? Um, it's another thing I would need to learn. You know, like, what is my corals going to need for light? Like, in terms of intensity, colors, you know, they're used to metal halides. You know, halides, as far as light, corals can absorb the UVs, you know, they can handle it, they can adjust to it a lot more faster than LEDs. LED fries corals if you're not careful. So, eventually, you know, down the road, I will probably have no choice because we're probably not going to even find light bulbs anymore. Yes, I know some yeah. folks out there that are hoarding uh, metal halide light bulbs, and yeah. uh, I should probably be one of them. Probably one of them because I probably have, I, I, I already, you know, I probably have 10 light bulbs, you know, stored and, uh, you know, power sources and, 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 and light fixtures, you know, just in case. But, probably is going to be all for nothing because you can't even sell them at that point because no one is going to have them to uh, fixtures to buy it from you. And, uh, but yeah, uh, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon though. Yeah. I hear you. I, you know, I, I, uh, I've been using middle halides and T5s for about 25 years or something, something like that for 26 years. I've been, I've been reefing for, for 27 years. So last year I, um, I started that new peninsula tank and I put LEDs on it, you know, and that was tough because I knew uh middle halides would be tried and true. And, and, um, but I, I'm, I've got uh, six GHL uh, metros running on that tank and I like them a lot. You know, it's different. It took me a lot of time to get used to that look, but what I did, I, go ahead. I thought about it. I, if I, when I thought about like, there was a time that I, when I saw the colors of my fracting, I'm like, I got excited, I'm like, you know, imagine if I do my tank with these lights, how much nicer it's going to look. And I hit up Vinny at GHL in Cali, and I, I, if, I, if I do it, I think it will be exactly with the lights you have, the Demetra GHL, because you could adjust those clusters differently. There's a lot more, and even if one goes bad, you could replace it. It's not like replacing the whole fixture. Um, I wish they made them skinnier and more compact in terms of a look. You know, they're a little boxy for me, but who cares? They're in a canopy. It's not like the lights are not out for display. Um, but yeah, I, 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 you're on the right track if you ask me. Um, yeah, because those lights I would probably do if I was to. Do I, it. I like them a lot. You know, I've, I've um, actually a. Um... Uh, a guy on Instagram and YouTube. I don't know if you've ever followed uh, Telegram out there. Great guy. He um, he helped me. Uh, he did a solid for me. He created a, um, um, a profile for the Spectrum. So he okay. he took a um, basically he, he had some data on some 400 watt 20k Hamilton bulbs and some 250 watt 20k radium bulbs, and he created a a plot to mimic that Spectrum for me. So that's the uh, spectrum that I'm using on on the Mitras is that um, mocked up 400 watt 20k, 250 uh, watt uh, 20k, um, you know, metal halide bulb, and um, you know it's it's growing corals. They're colored up and it's they're on their way. You know, 
Yeah, I saw I saw your have the uh, Jackson Rainbow. Yeah, uh, that's a beautiful coral. Yours is even actually nicer than mine. Um, where did you get that from? Um, a guy by the name of Mike. You probably know Mike in Brooklyn. You you probably oh, met Mike. I'm sure. Yep. Oh. Yep. That's him. And okay. I think he acquired that directly from um, Rich. Is that that's his uh, first yeah. name? I don't think he's in the hobby anymore. No, he's not. And and the one I have is from him, and that was his security. <laughs> he gave me. We were at his house um, through um, the club to to see his cube at the time. And we were there, and uh, he was happy I went. And he says, this is for you. This is to put it in the safe, because if I, if I lose it, I know you're not going to lose it. And that's how I have it, he, you know. Um, but I think mine is way too high up under the light, the halides, although he grew it under halides. And I have to say, the way he had the color on that, I think only one I've seen, I can get those colors. You have him close, but his, who was this person that had the true colors like him? Um, was it Pirate's Cove? Pirate's Reef. Pirate's Reef. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Rich, Rich's, Richie's was incredible. It had so many colors. And that was like during the time that Rainbow Teniuses didn't exist. Exactly. It, right. I mean, and, and I think that's like this this particular Rainbow Tenuous is actually worthy of its um, high acclaim because it's just when you get the right colors out and the colors we're talking about, the, the hard colors to get out of that coral. I wish I could bring up a picture, but I'm actually, it's on my Instagram. I have a uh, video of it. I, and um, I saw it. You'll, yeah. you'll have a very yeah. So, folks, go to my Instagram account. And you can see the uh, the Jackson's Rainbow Tenuous. But the the trick is to be able to get the reds and the uh, the pinks out of that coral. Exactly. And and exactly. Uh, yeah, you know, mine did well, like between two to three hundred par under metal halides. Yeah, mine is getting like seven hundred, and that's the reason why. I yeah, you know, and I um I I put that colony that I took the video of um that you, you saw on instagram and now it's on in the uh in the new peninsula tank and i've got it on the bottom of that tank and you know at, at first when it was in that tank and the par probably in, in the bottom of that tank the meters i was getting par values of like four to five hundred easily at the top of the uh, the tank and i had to crank them down a little bit so probably the par values that, that coral was getting are, are a little bit higher than what it was getting before and it, and it did lose a little bit of color but now i think it's starting to come back a little bit more yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, like I said earlier, I don't think geniuses need more than 250 to 300 bar. You know, I don't think they like, you know, I mean, mine are getting more with the halides, but again, you know, the halides, for some reason, corals tend to take it, you know, more than LEDs. So if you, if you give, you know, the same amount of par in LEDs versus the halide, I, I, I don't think this, the corals like it as much uh, for some reason. Yeah. Um, uh, how often do you measure par, and is that a big factor in terms of your um, – do, do, um, do you measure it all that I, often? I, I, I checked par in my tanks in, 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 in all these years maybe twice. Um, one time I had like 1,200 par at the top. Whoa. And I'm like – this is way too much. And believe it or not, corals were doing fine. What, uh, what kind of bulbs are you using right now? Metal halide bulbs? 
It's 20K, you know, uh, radiums. Can't go wrong with 20K radium. 400 waters or 250? 400, 400 waters. waters I, yeah. you know, I had three fixtures, 400 waters, and then I switched. I left the middle 400 and switched the other two to 250s because, you know, my ballast, you could go 400 or 250. So that was the, you know, that's what I did um, because I was I was pushing. I'm telling you, I was pushing. I mean, twelve hundred par. It's insane. Yeah, that is insane, man. How many how many um, how many bulbs you have over the tank right now? You put your hand under the bulbs, you get blisters. You know, uh, you get a sunburn. Second, second degree burns. Um, I got uh, three bulbs right now with forty uh, fives and two. Five foot LED strips and four eight inch LED blues on each metal halide. So there is some blue LEDs in the core of the middle of the tank. Um, the T5s consist of two blue plus, one super ethanic, and one, I believe, Fiji pink. So I could get the pinks to look like the way I like to see them. Yep. Um, and then the, uh, the, the, the highlights. Yeah. You know, it's, um, they're, they're, um, they're a tough bulb to knock other than the heat issues. And I guess you're, uh, you're managing that with the, uh, with the outdoor chiller. So, um, my electric meter is not happy about that. <laughs> You know. Yeah, when I when I used to be in Connecticut, my electric bill routinely in the summertime was like eight nine hundred bucks. I was like, "Youch, that's not cheap." That's what, that's what mine is. It is nine hundred thousand. Um, and the average bill, the cheapest bill I get in the winter time for this, which is majority, is my tank and my chiller and my mixing, you know, water tank. Because I have a station where I have constant ready ready made water at all times. Um, so there's so many pumps running and electric running. It's probably, my tank is probably costing me about 450 a month, just that. Yeah. That's uh, what I would say is the average. Yeah. Um, well, in the summertime, it's to a thousand. That's overall the hell house, but, um, it, it's, it's crazy. Um, well, you know, it's a piece of art you got going on there, Joe. And it's, I think it's gotta be money well spent. Yeah, well, it's my therapy. So it's better to spend it in my tank than to give it to some doctor that's not going <laughs> to give me some story about how I should live my life. So You're you living know, your life the way you want to, right? I'm going to live my life the way I want. I'm going to buy the fish I like, and I'm going to buy the coral I like, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy it. And that's that's what I do. Um, uh, that's why I... Um, my friend tells me all the time, you go, you're nuts to keep buying the same fish for a thousand dollars. That's dying on you. I'm like, it's not dying. Something is going on. And that was the bobber worm. <laughs> well, it made for an awesome story. That's, that's for <laughs> sure. You know, something you will never forget for the rest of your um, life. Um, <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I have another one in there, but I'm not missing fish. So that's, that's what, what comes. <laughs> down it's like joe you're not missing fish you're okay you know i in in the uh in the new tank i i put uh live rock in that new tank to start off and and you know i, I did a couple of baths in terms of some um high uh, salinity water to uh to kind of flush out some some pests and i did flush out a uh a mantis shrimp 
and some wow. um, pistol uh, shrimps. But one mantis shrimp did um, make it uh, survive, but I was able to um, pull the rock out and uh, and get that uh, mantis shrimp out. But um, there is a very large worm in there, and uh, I believe it is a uh, it is a bristle worm, but. You know, now you got me thinking there, Joe, that I gotta, I gotta go and ID the uh, the bottle worm. But to look at the head, and you'll have to look at. Um, I'm not missing any uh, fish though. Fish are not perishing, you know, and they're they're not getting well, knocked off. It depends how big he is. It's, it looks I mean, like you know maybe uh, I don't know four or five inches right now, but. That's not going to eat fish because the fish is bigger. Than I'm assuming that bottle worms do uh, start off at that size, right? My bobbit worm was two fingers thick and, you know. Um, yeah, but, you know, I'm assuming, though, that got into your tank when it was very small. It must have been very small. I mean, if your bristle worm is, like, pinkish red, yeah, I don't. it's a bristle worm. Yeah, that's what it, I think it is. My bobbit worm was more dark brown, you know. Like very brown, almost on the blacker side. Yeah, um, I gotta get a, I gotta get a, a red light in there and. Uh... Uh, the, the pistol shrimps. I at, the, at first I had one. I don't know how he got into my tank because I used to hear him clicking, and I always thought that maybe it's a mantis. But um, my favorite fish, believe it or not, is the dragula goby. Oh no, kid. So all these uh, exotic fish, to me, they're just, again, trend and what I like to see. But the Dragula Gobi was always fascinating for me. Um, and it took me many years until I met, um, I forgot this guy's name, at um, uh, Reef Palooza many, many years ago. And I said to him, I don't know why can't I keep a Dragula Gobi longer than a couple of months. He goes, does it have a pistol shrimp? I said, no. He goes, it needs a pistol yeah. shrimp. And I have a pair of them, a pair of pistol shrimps with one Dragula. Um, it, 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 they're, it, they're fascinating and the clicking and, you know. So if you hear clicking to find that pistol shrimp, Put a goby. Yeah, no, I, I think I still have at least one pistol shrimp in the tank, but I don't, I don't. Have, it's a bare bottom tank, though. It's a bare bottom tank. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the goby will find the pistol. Oh yeah. They, they, somebody, you know, they go together. I mean, you know, when I, uh, when I went through many gobies, I just put the fish in there. The pistol could be on the left side of the tank, and I put the fish on the right side by the morning, or by the, the second day. They're near each other. You know, it's amazing. Do you uh, do you have a screen on the top of your tank to keep fish in that potentially could be uh, jumpers or no? I have glass. My tank is covered with glass. Oh, really? No kidding. Well, yeah. huh. As far as evaporation, I have minimal. So I don't even have a top off on my tank. Wow. I don't. So that that must I also add to the heat, though, right? Yeah, it, it's like um, you know, I have friends that they. They top off a gallon of uh, water a day. I, I don't, you know, I, I, the only hmm. top off I'm doing is the Kalkwasser because I do also Kalkwasser. I forgot to mention that, um, which I has to, I have to watch because it brings down my salinity. 
Yep. So I'm constantly having to, you know, add salinity to the tank by mixing, you know, very high salinity water to to keep the the level. Otherwise, if, let's say I didn't have a cockwasher, my tank it just does not evaporate because of the glass. Interesting. What's uh, what do you uh, have your uh, what's your pH range in that tank? It doesn't go higher than eight point one five. If it hits eight point two, that's like high. I do pull in some fresh air to the skimmer from outside. Yeah. It does help a little bit. Yep. Um, but uh, my pH is not that high. That's the reason why I do cock. Without cock, I would barely reach eight. Yep. Yep. I dose uh, cock washer as well when, with my uh, calcium reactors, and uh, it, my my pH is usually in the uh, up to the eight four. You know, as a high. So if I have eight four, I will be doing jumping jacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, one more quick uh, question there for you, Joe. What? Um, well, two questions, two quick ones. What salt uh, do you use for the tank? Uh, Tropic Marine Pro. Tropic Marine I've Pro. Used that from, I've been using that from the start. I've never. I used to use that years ago, but I um, I've been using Instant Ocean. What about um, water changes? What do you do in terms of water changes? Um, depending on my nitrates. Um, because, you know, the, the, like we all know, the best nitrate remover is a water change. You know, there's nothing better than that. Um, if I have, let's say, high, you know, nitrates, I do one every week. You know, like in a 180-gallon system, I do maybe 30 gallons. Okay. That's a good, that's a good size water change. You know, um, but if my nitrates and phosphates are within check, I don't even do it. So there are times that I do a, a water change once a month. There are times that I do it four times a month, and that's hmm. that's helping the uh, regimen. Um, because you know, if I'm dosing potassium and I'm dosing potassium iodide and I'm dosing iodine, I'm dosing this and I'm dosing that, right? Um, then why am I dosing that? If I'm going to do water change every week, I'm technically replenishing all of that. Yep. Yep. And I hear you. So, all right, Joe, my, uh, my last question for you, if you had to uh, provide your top three tips for success, keeping SPS, what would those top three tips be? Keep it simple and keep your levels as close to whatever those levels you might choose. I'm not going to say keep alternating at 8 is better than 7 or keeping 7 is better than 8 or 9 or 10. Whatever you choose, corals do adjust to numbers, but you've got to keep it steady. You've got to keep it in line. Stability is key. Stability is key. If um, if you keep everything stable, don't run after these these um, chemicals that are coming out in the market every day. Um, you could do this A, B, and C for color, and you those trace elements. You know, don't dose a lot because you don't need to do a lot if you're doing water changes. You know, you know, five ml a day, uh, four ml a day is just to keep the trace elements, you know, elevated to a point. 
But when you start dosing for colors, that's what you're dosing. You're dosing basically potassium iodide, potassium iodine, things like that yeah. in, in a separate bottle and some other trace elements when you may be already. So just simple. The three keys, calcium, alkalinity, magnesium, little trace elements, whatever company you feel comfortable with, and let it run. Let it run. We complicate, I'm telling you. We fail because we complicate our own way of doing things. We want to do like my friend is doing. You want to do like this guy is doing. Everybody, you know, look at the success. They Photoshop the picture. You think that home record doesn't look as beautiful as this other one. And that's where you fail because you will do something stupid that you will, you know, I mean, that's my my philosophy is pick one method and stick with it stick with it simple this hobby is not as difficult as as people make it to be we make it difficult you know when and if you don't follow the rules this is my other line don't get too cocky because the hobby will humble. oh it will (laughs) oh it will (laughs) don't get too, too big for your uh for your name, and that's why I say I am just a reefer like everybody else. I just happen to be lucky that I succeeded all these years with a nice tank. But I'm not doing anything. My friend uh, Charlie tells me all the time, "You're hiding things from me." <laughs> I know. There's got to be something you know, bad going on that you're not telling us about. You guys are hiding from me. You're dosing things in your tank that you're not telling oh, me what you're secret. doing. Secret. Okay. Water is always clear, crystal clear. I mean, yeah. Charlie, I'm not, I told you everything. I'm not doing anything. I do those um, sponge power, which I believe also in that sponges, the natural mm. seawater, you know, to filter yeah. water. So I do have a lot of growth of sponges in my tank, you know, which I like that system from the cryptic system of, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tyree. Yeah. You know, um, so I, I do recommend that, you know, that reefers should those things like sponge power. It helps with the sponges and it helps the tank and it helps the, the, the whole the whole chemistry of it. Other than that, it's just let it roll. Don't panic. Let it roll. Yeah. Uh, one last question from a viewer, uh, Marcus's Reef, and I was going to ask you this question as well. What about UV? Do you use UV? I do have a 57-watt UV. Um, if you ask me, do you think it does anything? I, the answer is, I don't know. You run 20, you run it 24 seven. I run it 24 seven. I ran my tank for at least three years without it. And I don't think I've, I see a difference. The one, the one so, thing I like about the UV, I've, I've just started running one after uh, many years, not having a UV and, and, um, you know, I had a bout of uh, dinos and on the new new tank, and I put a UV on that, and then knocked it right out. You know, luckily they were the free uh, floating uh, dinos, and and so the UV, uh, right. you know, took took that out. And and in, in a frag tank, my other system, you know, I had some uh, signs of some dinos. I don't know if it was a true outbreak or whatnot, but I put UV on that system as well, and it just kind of like knocked it out. So I like I like running the UV now, just to kind of be, yeah. you know, uh, as a preventative measure for dino flagellates and. You know, maybe it will help a little bit with some fish disease. I know it's not going to, uh, you know, 
you know, be able to totally prevent that sort of thing. But, you know, and also the clarity of the water seems to be better. So, I, you know, I like it. Right. I don't think it's doing any harm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I've been running it. I, I um, you know, like recently, for an example, like um, two months ago, I wasn't running it because the pump, the Eheim pump, uh, the impeller rusted. You know, and I had a, uh, you know, I was I was seeing algae grow, you know, like little, little tiny, tiny algae grow on the rocks. I'm like, what's going on? Why am I getting algae? I'm testing my nitrates and this and the other. And then bam, is the, is the too much iron that was coming, whatever, from the impeller, from the rust yeah. of the impeller. You know, and that's another sign when you start seeing algae growing, things like that. Check your impellers, check your pumps, because I this is not the first time I've had it in my tank. You know, the calcium reactor impeller, I don't know how many times. Um, this Eheim pump, same thing. Um, yeah, you got to be I gotta have, watch that. got to watch it, because uh, that rust is basically iron going into your water. And you know what iron is going to do? When you start seeing your green gets greener, on your corals, you got way too much iron. Yeah, that, it, there you go. Good, I, good I mean, pro I tip. Read, one time I read about colors. How can you achieve colors and SPSs? What your water levels and certain things need to be. And green is iron. So what is the hardest color to keep in a, in a tank? It's not the reds. You know, iodine will create the reds and potassium creates the blues and the iron creates the green. It's how can you keep a yellow and a purple? So the hardest color to keep is the purple. So what was the first early on um, SPS? It was the purple monster. Love the purple monster. Okay, now you can't find it, right? It's an OG, but... A real purple monster is the most beautiful coral because it has that purple color, which is very hard to do. So you could see, you could be looking at a purple monster and you say, that's, no, that's not a purple monster because it will look blue. Because, again, the chemicals in the water. <coughs> so, you know, another you know theory is like if you have green cor corals that one day they're looking gold and yellowy and... And, 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 and a phase of green, and then another week, they're green, green. Something is going on in your pumps. That's something I never thought about, but that's an awesome, uh, you know, tip to, uh, to think about. Yeah, if you're, if you're getting more vibrant green, then something could be up with your uh, rusty uh, magnet or something. Yeah, something is fueling. Iron is, you know, you got too much iron in the water. I mean, there are test kits out there, which I have them for iron, but uh, the, the the one, the home test kits, they don't, they're not accurate. It, it, it's very hard. You have to have a very high level of iron in your water, which at that point you will have hairology longer than my hair. Um, <laughs> and mine. To, you know, um, to, to show on your, on your home kit. So it would be something that you have to send out. Interesting. All right. Well, listen, Joe. I think we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap this up, and this has been a uh, an awesome chat. And I really appreciate you taking all this time to uh, sit down with us and and answer all the questions that I had and some of the questions from the uh, from the viewers out there. I had, I had a blast. I, you know, we gotta do this again. Absolutely, man. We're gonna do this when you uh, tear that tank down and re uh, rescape it. We'll uh, we'll go through the whole thing there. Maybe you and I could do that together. You know, hold each other's hands yeah, through yeah. this thing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't 
you're not far away from Long Island, are you? I'm about eight hours away or something, but uh, well, it depends on what part of Long Island you're from. But uh, <laughs> if you're in the lower part, then maybe six. But uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, listen, Joe, it was uh, it was great to get to know you, and yeah, I would love to have you back on and, and talk uh, Reef again. No, thank you, Keith. Thank you so much for having me, and thanks for everybody who joined in and um, and uh, took the time to to watch this tonight. And I really, really enjoyed you know having this conversation, and uh, and I hope that you know you will do it again one day. So, if anybody has any questions, I'm I'm sure you could drop them in the uh, in the comments on this uh, video, or reach out to uh, to Joe on Reef to Reef. He's uh, his username is Tusi. That's T is in time, U, S is in Sally, I, right? 2C. Yep. That's how you can find that's them it. on Reef to Reef. And, uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for this show. And, and, again, thank you, Joe, so much for being on the live stream. And I also want to thank the sponsors, Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine, for supporting the show. And also want to thank all you viewers out there for tuning in. And I really, really appreciate your support. I also want to remind you that these episodes of Wrapping with Reef Bum can now be found on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher as podcasts. So if you um, can't catch us live, then you can catch the uh, audio replays on those platforms. So my next live stream, then this is going to be really interesting, uh, Joe. <clears throat> my next live stream is going to be next Thursday, October 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I got a good friend, Dr. Rob Williams, who has no knowledge of, at all about reef keeping. He's going to take over the hosting duties in the show and interview me. And oh. I have no idea what we're going to be talking about, but uh, we're, going to, we're going to be doing it live in front of my tank, one of my tanks. And we're going to have kind of like a uh, little sit-down chat, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm going to hand the reins over to, uh, to, to Rob next week in terms of the hosting duties. So it should be a lot of fun. Hope you folks tune in. Anyway, until then, I hope you um, be safe and be well, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.